Hello and welcome along to the Property Academy Podcast by Opus Partners. I'm your host, Stephen Knight. And I'm Andrew Nicholl. And today's show, we're talking about can you borrow against an inherited property to start investing? Now look, do not skip this episode because it's got such a specific title. <laughs> because this is a case study all about shared equity. And the person who said this in said to me, I can't believe that so many people would likely be in this position, but there's nothing about it online. So they said, hey there, Oberstein, got a question about shared equity. My siblings and I inherited my mum's property and I own a quarter stake in it. Am I able to use the equity to fund the deposit for investment property? So Andrew, just for anybody new to the show, what's she really asking? Give us some numbers here. Okay, so let's say that the house is worth 800k. Actually, I think it was, is that right? Yeah. Yeah, it was. And there's four kids, so 25% stake for each of them. Really easy maths. That's 200k worth of equity that each of the sibling has. Now, the question she's asking is, can I borrow against this 200k for a deposit on an investment property? Now, how common is it that siblings inherit a property like this? I know you work with a lot of different people in different situations as a financial advisor. How often do you see this? Yeah, well, there's one investor that jumps to mind. They had exactly this kind of scenario. I mean, it wasn't exactly the same numbers and same number of siblings, but same sort of thing. They'd inherited a property and they're trying to figure out what to do with it. And it was very, very complicated to kind of come to a meeting of the minds. Well, it must be quite common that people get into the situation. If I think about it, if one of my parents, you know, popped off this earth early, then, you know, I've got three siblings. We would likely inherit some property together and be in a similar situation. So this could be useful even if you don't want to borrow against it because we're going to talk more generally about owning property with your siblings in a second. But let's come back to her original question, which is can you do this? Can you borrow against a property that you co-own with your siblings? So the answer is yes, theoretically. So you can go to the bank and you can borrow money against that. Now, let's just think about how this would work though. Let's say it's a situation again where she goes in and she manages to get 200 grand borrowed against her share of the property. Now, the key consideration is the bank can't sell a quarter of a house. So they're going to basically take that whole house's security and they're going to want to know that every individual person can service that 200 grand. Plus, this person can go and service their whatever. 600,000 that they borrow from the bank to buy an investment property over and above their 200 grand that they've got. Now, the reason they want to know that all four siblings can service that loan is because you are jointly and severally liable for that debt. So what that means is if Margaret stops paying the mortgage, well, what happens then? Well, Peter, her brother, needs to start paying the mortgage. Or Paul, her disciples, has to pay the mortgage as well because the bank can't sell that quarter of the house and say, well, that, that goes back to pay Margaret's share. Well, wait a second. So so there's a couple of things to unpack there. The first thing is just explain for us what a security actually is. Okay, so that's the bank's protection because they've got an asset, the house, that is securing the loan. So in the event that you stop paying that loan, they'll sell the house. So because you guys own the house together and the whole house is being used as the security for the mortgage, all of your siblings would have to agree to you taking out that mortgage against your house. You can't borrow against your share. You can borrow against the whole house, though. And just remember as well, the bank won't actually lend you 100% of a security value. So if all the siblings said, hey, this is a great idea. We should all borrow 200 grand. 
and go and invest in something else. Well, the bank's not going to lend you $800,000 against an $800,000 house. They're only going to lend 60% of the value because it's an existing house being used as a rental property. Yeah, soon to be 65%. Yeah, soon to be 65%. And so Margaret's share, if if we wanted to be fair, would only be 65% borrowing of her $200,000 share. Yeah, so probably about 130-odd K there. If everyone else agreed to it. Well, I want to come back to the income side. So if we think about Margaret, she wants to take out a loan against that property. Why do her siblings need to be on the loan with her? Why can't she just do it with her own income? Because the house is in joint names. So anyone who owns the property has to be on the loan as well because you're putting debt or risk against your asset. Okay, so the really difficult thing, if we think about Margaret, Peter, Paul and Mary, (laughs) yeah, because we had to give them a biblical (laughs) name, we've chucked in Mary Magdalene. So if... Peter, for instance, didn't earn much income. I say he's retired. He's retired and she wants to take out the 130k loan. He can't service it on his own income because he's just getting the pension and spends you know, every dollar he gets in, which was quite normal for some people. Then she wouldn't be able to get the loan against that property. It would be a lot more challenging. You'd likely be going to a non-bank for that. So talk to us about that option. So ASB's told me no or Westpac, I've just made that up. Yep. I want to go to a non-bank, who might I go to? So now you might go to, say, a ResiMac, and they might say, right, well, the rental income that you're getting for this property, $600 a week, more than covers the 200 k that you want to borrow against it, so therefore we'll give you that loan. So Margaret is using 100% of the benefit of that rental income for the servicing calculations, so she's getting an unfair advantage that the other siblings are not, and this is where it gets really complex, because even if you all eventually agree to it, then you've got to go see your lawyer and your lawyer might say, no, 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 I'm not going to have you sign off on this. Okay, so I want to change things slightly because I imagine it gets a little bit more complicated if you don't own the property in your own names, for instance, but the property is held in a family trust. That would be very normal if mum and dad popped the house at a family trust passed it on to to the kids. How might it change if the property was owned differently? Well, actually, to be fair, this is exactly what my mother-in-law, she she went through. So she inherited two properties with her sister that was in her mother's family trust. And then, of course, again, there's no debt on it, but they had to then decide together what they were going to do. So what that meant is they never used those properties as securities for anything they wanted to do independently. But the real challenge is, well, when someone wants to sell, it's deciding, well, both parties need to be on the same page, which is often not the case. Someone might want to sell early, someone might want to hold on for a little bit longer, unless you can borrow to buy the other person out, it gets really complicated and messy. Yeah, especially when the debt to income ratios eventually come in. So let's take it back to our situation with Margaret, Mary, Peter and Paul. So let's say they all earn good incomes there and that's not the issue. They could all afford to approve that 130 or 200k worth of lending that Margaret wants to use to go off and invest in property. But here's the issue. Peter is now no longer a retiree. He is a very aggressive property investor. He might say, well, I don't want my income to be on the hook for your 130k 
because I need all of my income to be able to service other investment debt. And if I take out some debt with you, Margaret, that you get the full benefit of, I can't use my full income to go and buy more investment properties. Now, again, if it's in the trust, then Margaret can borrow the money in her own name, but there would need to be an interlocking guarantee between the trust to Margaret because the trust owns the security property, Margaret has the debt, but then again, remember the guarantee would probably be an unlimited guarantee, and so it's probably still going to cause issues for the other beneficiaries. In terms of income, their income would still need to be tested. Yes. And this is where it starts to get really, really complicated. So what's the best thing to do here, Andrew? Should you sell the property? Should you keep it as a rental? Should she ask your siblings to buy her out? What sort of options would Margaret have? So, so the first thing I'd probably do is I'd have a conversation with my siblings. And, and look, maybe, maybe they will let you borrow against it. And if they, if they will, then awesome. If they're all, you know, reasonably financially secure, they've got no problem with you borrowing 200 grand and it doesn't affect them, then they might want to help their sibling, you, Margaret, get ahead. But Probably not. I haven't seen that work very often. So then the second thing I'd probably do is ask my siblings to buy me out. Hey, look, my share's 200 grand. I'll let you buy me out for 190 because you don't have to pay an agent fee or something like that. And therefore I get 190K cash and then I can go do my own thing. You guys can carry on owning mum's house as a rental property. Third thing is maybe convince everyone to sell the property and then everyone just gets their quarter share. It's nice and easy. And then of course you don't have any dispute over what the true value is. And then number four, if you can't get to an agreement, just keep it as a rental. It's better than nothing. The other thing that you just have to think about if your siblings are buying you out or you're buying a sibling out is, okay, I'm here at a property and now it's just me and Margaret. So two people. And Margaret says, Ed, can you please buy me out? And I say, fine, Margaret. I love you. You're my sister. You're the only sister alike. (laughs) (laughs) So I buy her out. Now, the half of the house that I inherited, I don't have to pay any bright line on, and neither will Margaret, because it was inherited property that's exempt. If that house goes up in value, though, and I sell it quite quickly, any increase in value on Margaret's half share that I bought, that will be subject to bright line, because I didn't inherit that half of the property. So it'll be based on the value that I bought Margaret out at, not at what mum and dad purchased it at back in 1937. But that's just something really important to remember. Let's say she wanted to sell her share of the property. Can she force her siblings to sell or can she force her siblings to buy her out? So the short answer is no, but it depends. If the property is already owned by the siblings, so it's it's been transferred from the estate to the siblings' names, then assuming that there's no agreement that discusses this and and what, what the terms are in the event of someone wanting to exit, then everyone has to agree on selling the property. You can't just say it's, you know, three against one and so therefore we're selling the property. Everyone has to be in agreement. So that's where it gets complicated. But during the process of the estate being wound up and this property being inherited, it would be normal practice for the lawyer who's acting for the estate to probably have a conversation around this and draw up an agreement that says, if one party wants to get out, this is what we're going to do. Now, I imagine there's lots of emotions that come up when people think about selling a parent's home. You know, it might have been the house that you grew up in or you want to keep it because that's where mum and dad spent a lot of their lives and created a lot of memories. Now, 
What sort of emotional considerations are there when people are, are selling the family home? What have you seen when you're advising people? I have seen investors buy properties off siblings or buy siblings out of their share because they're emotionally tied to the property, even though the numbers don't make sense. Now, I know one of them is going to be listening to this podcast and I'm talking about you, you know it's you, but that often happens. They think, oh, well, it works because we're only having to pay out, you know, 400 grand because that's what the other person's share is. And they're not thinking about their 400 grand that's, that's tied up in the property as being an investment because they just inherited it. So generally speaking, I see people make less than ideal investment decisions because there's an emotional tie to it. In that situation, you've got to look at it. Let's say it was 50-50, 800K property. The question you've got to ask when you're buying your sister out or your sibling out is, would I buy it with a $400,000 cash deposit? Because that's what you've got. Well, yeah, 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 absolutely. You know, minus some real estate agent fees, but would you buy it with a sizable cash deposit? And the answer may in fact be no. And so that's why I think we wanted to answer this one around shared equity because it is nowhere near as simple as you might think. Now, if you know somebody who's in a similar situation trying to sell a property that they co-own with their siblings or just inherited something, why not share this podcast with them? That is the main way that you guys find out about the show. And that is one of the main things you guys can do to help grow this property investment community we're building. Of course, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. It really does help us get the message out to more people. Thanks for listening to the Property Academy podcast. I'm your host, Tim McKnight. We're going to be back again tomorrow with even more daily strategies, tactics and insights to help you get the most out of the New Zealand property market. Until next time.